Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to an emergency episode of the Nuggets Numbers Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. You know, I wasn't going to be doing a podcast, was going to save a lot of this content for a Friday episode. We're going to be switching up The Dig and the Denver Stiffs show. The Dig will be airing on Thursday morning and, Nug- and the Denver Stiffs show will be airing on Friday morning, but I had to talk about this. This is a big deal. This is this is, I mean, as as big of a deal as there's ever really been. Uh, since the Patrick Ewing trade that just dropped, a four-team mega deal that involves the Houston Rockets, the Atlanta Hawks, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Denver Nuggets. Kind of crazy that this all went down. This went down while all of the beat writers and reporters and bloggers and people of that nature were in the Nuggets locker room. The Nuggets players were learning of this at the same time in the same location that it was coming across our phones. And it's a pretty sad scene. It was a pretty tough thing. And you wish Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt the best. I've talked to all those guys before and they're so nice. They are very, very kind. Whenever you ask them questions, all of those guys, I've, I've spoken to Vanderbilt especially very nice people, and they've always been willing to talk, and that's that's not how it always goes in these locker rooms, so <clears throat> it's tough to see. It's tough to really appreciate just how big of a deal this locker room shakeup could be. Those were three guys, three young guys that were in and out of, of the Nuggets system. They were drafted and sent down to the G League and called back up and had their great moments. And Vanderbilt was just kind of getting into it, but he has some potential for the the Timberwolves. So either way, uh, wish all of those guys the best, all three of them going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So hopefully they can get some time. I know that Minnesota's now rebuilding and each of those guys should get some run next to Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. So hopefully they get an opportunity to play. But let's go over the basic terms of this deal because I think this is a a interesting deal for Denver kind of on the back end of their roster that it's it's going to be interesting to talk about going forward and using as, as kind of a frame of reference for anything else that they do during this trade deadline because I don't think that they're done. I think that they're still going to be searching for deals and Adrian Wojnarowski was saying the same thing and he, he reported that Denver is going to be continuing to be active up until the trade deadline. So... Let's go over the terms. The main pieces that were traded in this deal were Robert Covington and Clint Capella. Robert Covington went to the Houston Rockets from the T-Wolves. 
the Rockets are going small. They are going all in on small ball, and Robert Covington's going to contribute to that. My guess is that they start Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Eric Gordon, Robert Covington, and P.J. Tucker at center. That's going to be really interesting to see, and it changes the matchup with the Houston Rockets drastically. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But they get rid of Clint Capella and send him to the Atlanta Hawks, who then trade expiring contracts and a first-round pick, and they trade those things to the T-Wolves, who then forward some things on to Denver, and Denver sends some things back to the T-Wolves to really facilitate the whole thing. Um, Yeah, the... Those young guys in, in Denver that are going to Minnesota, I think they're going to have roles there. And it sounds like the T-Wolves are going to continue to try and play Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and see if they are pieces that the T-Wolves want to keep around. And so it's another trade that the Nuggets are doing within their division. They've traded with the Thunder, with the Jazz, with the Blazers, and now they're trading with the T-Wolves. And so it's uh, it's going to be interesting, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how those guys do. Wish them nothing but the best. There's there's no bad blood here, uh, unlike something like Yusuf Nurkic or, or with uh, the Donovan Mitchell-Rudy Gobert stuff that went to Utah that they've been throwing in Denver's face for years at, in Utah. So, But the Nuggets themselves, let's talk about the pieces that they get back. They got back five things, and they... The one thing that they didn't care for was Gerald Green. They are waving Gerald Green, according to my friend and colleague TJ McBride at Mile High Sports. Gerald Green is a, a theoretically a good fit as a veteran wing shooter in Denver, but he's going to be waived. He hasn't played a game yet this season. He's been injured. Um, but the other pieces, let's get into it. Noah Vonley is probably the best, or maybe not the best player, but he's he's contributed a lot over the course of uh, the last couple of years, couple like two seasons ago with the Knicks and this year with the T-Wolves, he's been off and on. Uh, he's a big man. He's a kind of a hybrid between power forward and center. Most of the time he would play the five. He's efficient around the rim, uh, shoots about 70% around, around the rim and in the restricted area. He's efficient. He's shot threes before. Uh, the offense when he's on the floor is awful when he was in Minnesota, but the defense was really good. Some of that is probably just being a product of being Carl Anthony Towns' replacement. So when Carl Anthony Towns was off the floor, the offense would struggle in, in Minnesota, but the defense would shine. Um, I don't expect Noah Vonley to be in the Nuggets rotation, though while he is here, while Mason Plumley is out, while Paul Millsap is out, he may get some run over the course of these next couple of weeks before the All-Star break. So That'll be interesting to see. Uh, next piece is Shabazz Napier. Shabazz is actually probably the best player that Denver got in this deal. He's kind of an, your standard average backup point guard. Uh, Monte Morris is probably better than him, in my opinion, but Shabazz Napier, he likes to shoot the ball, hasn't shot the ball well this year, but has shot it well in the past. Um, he's been in really good positions in, in the past couple of years. He played for the Nets and did really well. He played for the Trailblazers and did really well off of their bench. But he's never been a guy that really impacts a playoff series. And so that that to me says that this is there's there's some questionable things with his fit in Denver just because he reminds me a lot of Monte Morris. Just kind of he's the more scoring version of Monte Morris, and Morris is the passing, the facilitating guy, the the low mistake guy. 
Shabazz Napier does average over five assists per game. He started a lot of games for the Minnesota Timberwolves this year. Um, he's gone through stretches of being good, of being bad. Uh, mostly it's been bad, though. And it would be surprising to me if Denver kept both Shabazz Napier and Monte Morris going forward. Last guy, that, the last player that the Nuggets picked up was Keita Bates Diop. He was a second-round pick uh, back, I think, in the 2018 draft. Let me just confirm that real quick. I want to make sure I'm giving you the proper information if you're coming to Nuggets numbers. Uh, yeah, he was in the the 2018 draft, second-round pick. He's a very small salary. He is the next, like, he's got two more years, including this one, and then his 2021-2022 year is non-guaranteed. So he is cost-controlled over the next few years, and that's a good thing for Denver if they believe in his skill set, if they believe that he's somebody that can impact them. Katie Bates-Diop is basically your your standard forward who doesn't really do a lot with the ball in his hands. He's definitely an off-ball option. He has played 37 games this year, averaged 6.8 points per game, 0.8 assists per game. He's not really a creator with the ball in his hands. Um, and Denver likes to have smart, high IQ basketball players, but Bates Diop did really well in college. So if there's a place for him to grow, it's probably in Denver's system. However, he's more known for kind of being a switchable defender. Uh, he gives a lot of effort. He tries. Uh, doesn't have a major impact on their team in terms of their like actual in terms of their actual abilities. But again, like Noah Vonley, he shares a lot of the time without Carl Anthony Towns on the floor, so his minutes look a little bit different. His stats are kind of different because there are so few good players on on Minnesota that can actually create offense for themselves. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. If you haven't figured it out, the three players that Denver acquired that they're at least right now keeping do not project to be in the rotation. Uh, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but the main thing that Denver got, in my opinion, was this Houston Rockets 2020 first round pick. Right now, it is sitting at a projected 22nd overall, so it's it's a low 20s uh or high 20s, whatever you want to call it. It's like in the 20 to 25 range, it will probably finish depending on how well Houston does over these next several weeks, how well Robert Covington integrates into their system, and if they actually can uh, defend opposing teams if if they're going with a 6'6 P.J. Tucker at center. Actually, he's probably not 6'6 in all honesty. But that's probably in that 20 to 25 range, we'll just call. So... Denver basically traded Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez, two guys that Wancho wasn't really in the rotation, but Beasley was kind of a piece. He was kind of a part of it, uh, and he was probably Denver's best wing shooter. Uh, Porter, I would consider a forward, so don't jump on my neck there, but Beasley, probably Denver's best wing shooter, most competent guy, the guy that teams are most threatened by when he touches the ball. So it is a big loss, and I think this trade makes Denver tangibly worse right now. Um, that's kind of a scary thing if you're Denver. If you're if you're looking for 
all of if you're looking for a silver lining here, it's that Denver's probably not done. I think that they're they're going to continue to do some more things, but it's really tough to see guys like Beasley and Wancho go because it it was really apparent in tonight's game against the Portland Trailblazers that when you space the floor around Nikola Jokic, great things can really happen. And Beasley and Wacho just showed exactly what they could do while they're out there. Um, yeah, Wancho's had had his moments, though he hasn't really been in the rotation. And with Michael Porter Jr. out there, doesn't really project to be in the rotation. Uh, Malik Beasley in a playoff rotation, I don't know if he's out there for more than 10 minutes per game. And at that point, you have to ask yourself if it's really worth it to have him on the roster if you don't believe that he's going to be back. And so I've talked about this over the last couple of weeks that if you do not think that Malik Beasley is going to be in your future plans, then you probably look to get something for him if you also don't think that he's going to be in the playoff rotation. So it was a tough decision, and it looks like at this point that Denver is rolling with their current starting lineup with the guys that they they really value. But that may change as well. We're gonna we're gonna be really it's 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 a really curious thing, I will say. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to give you more initial thoughts, more things that I think Nuggets fans want to hear about, and then in the following segment, I'll talk about the bigger picture where I think Denver stands right now with their roster, and we'll just get into that. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers, Ryan Blackburn here. Emergency Nuggets numbers podcast for all of this great trade stuff. Uh, getting kind of into the nitty-gritty of the salary stuff here, the Nuggets saved about uh, $240,000 in, in terms of avoiding the luxury tax. I don't think that that was the reason why this deal was made. I think the acquisition of the first-round pick was the reason why this deal was made. If it's a, a solid 2020 first-round pick that's tangible, the Nuggets didn't have a 2020 first-round pick before, and so they are looking to acquire those assets and whether they're going to draft somebody or if they're going to use that as a trade asset going forward, maybe even as soon as today or tomorrow, Wednesday or Thursday. We're just going to have to see how that goes. Um, But like I said before, I'm going to miss Beasley and Wancho. Denver wasn't going to be able to afford those guys, although some of Denver's best moments have been with Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez on the roster. Malik's 35-point game versus the Houston Rockets last year, that was one of the big breakout performances from him where I thought, man, this guy could really be a starting shooting guard and be a very competent player at this level. He just caught fire in that game and and really proved that he's athletic enough, quick enough, has enough shooting capability and enough ability to drive to the rim that he can be a really impactful piece. 
if you're willing to give him the time. Uh, the problem is that the Nuggets haven't been willing to give him the time. When you have guys like Jamal Murray and Will Barton and Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. already slated to play on this roster, you have to surround them with defenders if you want to compete for a championship. And while you also have to surround them with shooting, I've talked about how Denver's wing rotation right now is very it's very one-sided. It's it's very like they're very specialist like. Tory Craig is your defensive specialist. Michael Porter Jr. is your offensive specialist right now. Malik Beasley is an offensive specialist. Did Denver need two offensive specialists going into the playoffs? I don't think that I don't think the answer is yes. I think the answer is no there. I think Denver could live without that for sure. Even if he projects to be a really good player and maybe even be better than Gary Harris is right now. So it's a tough loss for sure. Wancho also has had some major performances, especially against teams like Golden State. In his rookie year, remember that he was one of the main catalysts of why Denver was able to put up such a massive 24 three-pointers in a game performance against the the massive favorite and contending champions at that time in Golden State. He went right at Kevin Durant. Uh, he went right at Draymond Green. He just shot the hell out of the ball. And both of those guys shoot the hell out of the ball. So it's it's going to be tough. And Denver already struggles with their three-point shooting. So losing shooters is not a good thing. I will say that. But if those shooters aren't going to play in the first place, then it's hard to really justify it. So I can understand why Denver pivoted in a different direction here. It's not all financially based. It's not all in that discussion. I think that this is actually gearing towards a different move. So... And let's get into that, because the first thoughts that I have about this current rotation right now is that Denver seems very heavy on point guards. You have both, you have Jamal Murray as your starting point guard, and he's going to be, in a playoff series, he's going to play 35 minutes per game, 38 minutes per game, just a a massive number, and you don't really need a lot from your backup point guard position. Now, Denver just acquired Shabazz Napier. And they have Monte Morris on the roster. And they also have P.J. Dozier on the roster who has really proven that he can be good in spurts in kind of a different way. I don't think that you keep both Monte Morris and Shabazz Napier past this trade deadline because I think that both of those guys would kind of cannibalize the roles of each other. They they can't really play together due to their size, uh, but they're both good enough to play and deserve to play and be on a be on a playoff contending team. So if you're the Nuggets, I think depending on what else happens at the trade deadline, expect Denver to at least like scour the market for deals for either Monte Morris or Shabazz Napier, because I think that that just makes too much sense. Another point that they are, that I can make right now is Denver seems very light on true wing players. Gary Harris and Will Barton are, are your starting wings, and they're both relatively small. They're not tall wings. They're not big wings. Torrey Craig is another wing. He's pretty decently sized. Pretty, He's big enough to, to kind of be against uh, starting guards, but against other wings, he's like-sized. But beyond that, who else is there right now? Who else is there in this rotation? Michael Porter Jr. can play the three a ton, and I think that's where he'll spend most of his time, but he's truly a forward. He's not a he's not a wing. I would classify guys as guards, wings, forwards, and bigs. Uh, 
Michael Porter Jr. and Jeremy Grant are forwards. Uh, Paul Millsap is a forward bordering on a big. Uh, Nikola Jokic, of course, is a big. Gary Harris is on the small end of being a wing. He could be a guard or a wing. So I think you're pretty light there. I think you're in a position where Porter will definitely be playing a ton now because Denver kind of needs somebody to fill the time. If you're going to play a nine-man rotation that features the initial starting unit, Porter is going to have to play some minutes at the three and probably major minutes because then you have uh, then you have Will Barton coming off the bench or, or coming from the starting unit and playing with the bench unit as well. So there's going to be some interesting pieces here. Um, and the other thing is Denver doesn't necessarily have enough perimeter shooting now. Beasley was a big part of spacing the floor. So if they run into situations where they can't shoot, that's a big problem. That's a big, big issue. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they adapt to that. They found some success with Jeremy Grant at the five instead of Mason Plumley, And I think there there's something to that that if you need a matching salary, then maybe Mason Plumley is the guy that goes. And so we'll just have to see how that goes. But going forward, I think that Denver makes another move. And I think that it's setting up in a pursuit of Drew Holiday. Denver has been in and out of the rumor mill for Drew over the past uh, couple months, honestly, but it's really picked up over these last couple of weeks. And insiders keep connecting Denver to Drew Holiday. And I don't think Denver makes this deal without having another move in mind that they're going to pursue. And so it's very possible that if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, you didn't want Malik Beasley because like Brandon Ingram, he's going to be a restricted free agent and you don't necessarily want to pay a bunch of guys extra money. Um, You'd rather stay as inexpensive as possible. So maybe Monte Morris becomes a little bit more interesting if you're the Pelicans. You need a backup behind Lonzo Ball. Both of those guys could play together because Lonzo can has the size to play the two. It wouldn't surprise me if Denver is really going to go after that. If they if they are looking for that next move to really level up, to really get into that contention conversation. Because I have I have a good idea of what Denver really needs to be a massive contending team. And I think Drew Holiday is a part of that group. I don't know if Gary Harris is a part of that group. And while he had a great performance tonight guarding Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and guys like that, it's it's going to be interesting to see because Denver has to go up against these bigger wings. They have to figure that out. So let's take another break. When we come back, we're, I'll get more into this big picture stuff who I like, who I think the rotation is going to shake out to be, where they can go from here, and and whether they have enough juice to win a championship. We'll be right back. Okay, so right now, Denver starters appear kind of set. At this at this moment in time, this trade kind of solidifies things, in my opinion, based off of the current group that they have. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and Will Barton started the year as the starting one, two, and three, and I think they continue that way. 
I think, obviously, Jokic is their starting center. And I believe that one of Paul Millsap or Jeremy Grant will be the starter at power forward. I just don't know which one it is. Jeremy Grant has played so well over the course of these last few weeks that I think he's made it a conversation. And with how with how tough the fit was with Mason Plumley at the beginning, it's very possible that Denver looks to play Paul Millsap and Mason Plumley together. Uh, maybe they play Paul Millsap and then Jeremy Grant plays the backup five so that Michael Porter Jr. can play the backup four. If that's the case, though, then Denver needs another wing. They need somebody else who can fill some of those extra minutes if they don't plan on playing Mason Plumley big minutes. Because right now, I expect them to play Mason Plumley, but that could change really quickly in a playoff series. And if Denver has to downsize, then they may be one player short on the wing. So I'm interested in seeing how it goes. So Denver likes to play a nine-man rotation, maybe 10 guys. So the backups at this point would be one of Monte Morris or Shabazz Napier, probably Morris, uh, Torrey Craig, Michael Porter Jr., the the other of Grant or Paul Millsap, and then Mason Plumley. So you've got 10 guys, Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic, Morris, Craig, Porter, Grant, Plumley would be my, my expectation at this point. The other guys that you have on the roster are Shabazz Napier, Keita Bates-Diop, Noah Vonley, Vlatko Chanchar, PJ Dozier, and Bol Bol. Dozier and Bol Bol are on their two-way deals. You could technically upgrade PJ Dozier to a full-time contract once this deal goes through, um, and Denver may do that if they have an extra roster spot. It would not surprise me at all. Um, he's been very effective when he's been in those minutes. Right now, with no changes, can that team, that particular group, go deep in the playoffs? I think the answer really depends on whether you think the versions of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Michael Porter Jr. that we see right now are the versions that we're going to see in the future. Uh, Jamal Murray played great tonight. Gary Harris had a lot of great moments tonight. He was a great defensive player, cut well, moved the ball, didn't take a lot of shots, but didn't need to because the other guys were playing super well. And so if he's the fifth option in that situation, then he doesn't have to be a massive threat. Michael Porter Jr. has obviously been a massively impactful rookie, but he's now starting to deal with some injuries. And if those mount up, then Denver may not want to put such big minutes and such a big load on him to carry a team in a playoff series. Do they want him to carry the offense uh, when he's on the bench when or when, when the bench lineup comes in? I think that's a, a major question that we have to ask ourselves. And so if those three, Murray, Harrison, Porter, if they find their ceiling, they can play efficient basketball, space the floor, cut off of Jokic. I think Denver has enough to make a finals run. There are certain matchups that they're going to struggle in, like the Los Angeles Lakers and the Clippers and those those teams where they have the tall wings and Anthony Davis is always a matchup problem. But that's going to be a matchup problem basically no matter who you get. And if Porter is as much of a matchup problem for the opposing team, then maybe that swings a series. Maybe if Jamal Murray takes the next step and plays like an all-star going forward, then that could be a big change. Gary Harris returns to form if he gets hot and shoots 40% from three while defending the opposing team's best player. 
then maybe you got something there. Maybe that's maybe that's what happens. But if not, this team then becomes super reliant on Nikola Jokic to be the best player he can possibly be, be the best player in a playoff series versus these teams. And he may not be able to do that versus a lot of teams. Maybe, maybe he can't win a playoff series over the Dallas Mavericks by himself. Maybe he can't beat LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and there's no shame in that. Maybe he can't best Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the amount of points that they can put up at any given point. There's no shame in that. He would still be a top 10 player in those situations, but Luka Doncic has been top five, and LeBron James has been top three, and Kawhi Leonard's been top five. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. If the answer is no... Um, well, here, let's, let's look at some of those matchups against every other team right now. I think that Denver still matches up really well, except the, except the LA teams. We'll, we'll put them in a different section against the Utah jazz. We saw what Denver could do. Uh, Jeremy Grant was a big deal defending on the backside. Torrey Craig was great against Donovan Mitchell. And I think Gary Harris could do something similar. Uh, Nikola Jokic really took Rudy Gobert to school. And the matchup really changed when the Utah Jazz lost Derek Favors. I think that Denver can really work something out there. So I'm glad to see that that was a thing. Um, The Houston Rockets just lost Clint Capella. They have Robert Covington, but I think that impacts Denver more in a positive way. Clint Capella was one of Denver's biggest matchup concerns against a team like the Rockets. The Dallas Mavericks... I think Denver still has the ability to win that series. If you throw Torrey Craig on Luka Doncic for most of a series, uh, I don't think that Jokic can be bothered in the same way by a guy like Kristaps Porzingis as Torrey Craig would be bothered by Luka Doncic. So I think that still swings Denver's way. And Oklahoma City's the same way. I don't think that Steven Adams can deal with Jokic, though I'm a little bit more concerned about that um, in a seven-game series. And then the Memphis Grizzlies, they, they just don't have enough. They don't have enough juice, in my opinion. When Denver is at full strength and they're not like down a bunch of guys and have a bunch of guys that have rolled ankles and things like that, Like once everybody gets back to full strength for both of those rosters, I don't think it's any contest. I think that Denver just beats Memphis in five games. But does Denver have enough talent for being able to for not being able to match up with the Los Angeles Lakers guys? I think that's probably not. Uh, it's hard to beat LeBron James. It's hard to beat Kawhi Leonard. Both of those teams are going to be really, really good in that situation. And I think that if Denver comes to that answer, and if the answer is no, how does Denver handle that? What do they do? Are they okay with just going into that series knowing that they're probably going to lose? Do they try and make a competitive deal where they could maybe even win? maybe win one of these series. I think that Denver would be interested in making another trade. We just saw them get Shabazz Napier. I don't think they need Shabazz Napier. And if they want to keep him, then maybe they don't need Monte Morris. Maybe they're in a position where they could flip some of those guys and and maybe pick up another asset here and there that they could then use in a Drew Holiday trade. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Um, now Denver can't just trade Napier and Bates Diop and Vonley in combination with Denver's other players. 
that's illegal because of the CBA. That's illegal for for some of those cases. But Denver could move the following players, uh, assuming that Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Michael Porter Jr. are untouchable. And I think that that's very clear. Um, Denver can move the following guys if they can't just move Napier, Bates, Bates Diop, and Vonley. You've got Gary Harris, Will Barton, Torrey Craig, Monte Morris, Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, Vlaco Chanchar, PJ Dozier, and Bull Bull. Now, of those 10 players that I just named, Chanchar doesn't really move the needle for anybody, so he's kind of out of that conversation. Um, Denver's also not likely to move any of Will Barton, Paul Millsap, or Jeremy Grant. They're, they're too important to what Denver does right now. Now, that leaves Gary Harris, Mason Plumley, Monte Morris, Torrey Craig, P.J. Dozier, and Bull Bull. Now, Dozier and Bull, it's hard to value two-way guys. Maybe because they've shown some stuff, or at least P.J. has shown some stuff, Bull Bull is a very unique two-way player. He's a guy that I'm sure a lot of teams would be interested in trying to capitalize on that potential. But Gary Harris is kind of the, the wild card here. Because if Denver moves Gary Harris, it means that they're either doing two things. They're either going to make Michael Porter Jr. a starter, and I don't think that that's the case yet. I don't think he's ready, and I don't think that Denver should try. Um, or they're getting back a major wing piece. Now, could that be Drew Holiday? Could that be... They um, can't go for Bradley Beal. So who else is on the wing right now that, that Denver could be really interested in? Let's take a look at some of the the wings and shooting guards that Denver could possibly get. I think that Zach Levine has been mentioned in varying ways. Uh, I don't think that CJ McCollum is available, nor do I think he really moves the needle for Denver just because of how similar he is to their players, though he is very good. Uh, Devin Booker's not available. Um, Josh Richardson's not available. Jalen Brown's not tradable. Uh, there just aren't that many other guys that, unless you're getting worse and adding a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich, for example, then it's it's hard to see Denver making a move. I do think that Drew Holiday is their guy, though. I think he's the guy that they're going to try and go after, and he's the reason that they made this first deal. They got a first-round pick, and if you get a first-round pick that you didn't have in 2020, you can use that as leverage in a Drew Holiday move. If the Pelicans like Gary Harris, and I believe that they do, I believe that they think that they can rehabilitate him a little bit, he's on their timeline a little bit more than Drew Holiday is, then I think that the Pelicans could be swayed if you offer up multiple first-round picks, Gary Harris, maybe Monte Morris. I think that 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 seems like a, a major piece here. And then Bull Bull. If you're the Pelicans... And you're staring at a deal that includes Gary Harris, a competent shooting guard, when uh, an average starting two guard when he's healthy, uh, still a very good defender, a backup point guard that's very capable on Monte Morris that they haven't had in a long time. They play Frank Jackson a lot, and that should tell you just how desperate they may be to have a competent backup guard. Then you have the tantalizing potential of Bull Bull, and if you're drawing up a player in a lab that would fit well with Zion Williamson, it would look a lot like Bull Bull, somebody who can protect the rim, somebody who can space the floor offensively, doesn't need the ball, and is very skilled. 
uh, Bull Bull would be a really intriguing fit there if he were to be included. And then you've got this 2020 Houston pick that's going to be around 22. And then if you're Denver, you include a 2022 first round pick to get them another asset. I don't know how the Pelicans say no to that. They say that they don't want they don't want to do a deal with Denver unless Michael Porter Jr. is on the table. Now, that's true. That's probably true, but things change. And Wednesday is going to roll around, and Wednesday night, and Thursday, and the Pelicans are going to start to realize, man, what if Drew Holiday demands out? What's going to happen? Do we Can we get a better package than what we're being offered right now? A competent shooting guard, a competent point guard that you can control for a couple of years on a cheap deal, a nice prospect in Bull Bull that's, that's a blue-chip prospect that has a lot of injury concerns, and then two first-round picks, one in 2020, one in 2022. Can another team beat that? Would they try to beat that? Is Drew Holiday the piece that would take a lot of teams over the top? I don't think the answer is yes. I think that Denver's offer is actually really good, and if the Pelicans have any foresight, they will accept that deal. I'm interested to seeing how that conversation goes. I think there's a lot of posturing going on in the Pelicans' front office right now that says, hey, we're going to try and get the best piece that we can. And they should do that. They should be posturing. But when the clock runs down, I think that Denver, in a situation where they can get Jamal Murray, Drew Holiday, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic as your starting lineup going into a playoff series... I think they feel very comfortable about that. All of those guys can handle the ball and cut. All of them can shoot. All of them can defend, except for Jamal Murray, and he's still he's he has situations where he can be really good. Uh, Drew Holiday is possibly the the guard version of Paul Millsap, where he has a larger role in another place and reduces his role down. He would probably be the best fourth option in the league in that situation. Because you're, or maybe he's the third option over uh, Will Barton, but he's playing a little bit more off ball. He's rotating. He's running the DHO game with uh, with Nikola Jokic. I think he'd be really good at that. And then he could rotate onto the second unit when uh, when Denver is consolidating their rotation in a playoff series. He runs the point. He has the ball in his hands. He's good enough to do that. I don't know if there are other players that Denver has on their roster that are good enough to do that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes and how Tim Connolly plays it. I think that that's one of the reasons why they did it. But we're going to see. We're going to figure this out. That's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Make sure to tune into the Denver Stiffs show on Friday. Make sure to tune into the Dig on Thursday. If there are any new tidbits that come out, then we will have it here on the Denver Stiffs podcast network. Uh, make sure to check out Denver Stiffs. We have... Uh, We have uh, the initial trade, the reactions from different writers. We're going to be writing some different perspectives on this deal. And it's going to be interesting. If there is a larger deal for a guy like Drew Holiday, then we will have it up as well. I'm looking forward to seeing how Denver plays this because I think that they're going to go all in. I really do. I think it's also the right thing to do in this situation. You have a limited window with Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant. This team's going to look different next year. They aren't going to have this much talent going forward. I think you consolidate and try and get as much talent as you can in the door right now. 
you go for it. That's going to do it here. I'll see you guys soon.